And so as I kind of looked into, you know, my demographic veterans and things like that, I've found that, you know, 22 veterans take their own lives every single day. What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. I'm Rick Jordan. That's the first time I've ever done that. Don't don't worry about that because that was a little weird. But hey, I'm Rick Jordan. And today I'm pumped because we've had a retired Navy SEAL on the show before. Today we have another retired Navy SEAL. And I'm so appreciative of these guys because we've got a lot of things that were paid for with this country and blood and these dudes i really appreciate because they take on the toughest of the tough but he went through stuff in his life we'll talk about that but now he has a cbd company that's focused on the recovery of veterans and first responders how awesome is that he was with the seals for 26 years and a sniper instructor and served on teams that specialize in undersea ops pretty amazing william brainham welcome to the show Hey, thanks for having me. I, you know, when you said, hey, this is Rick, I was like, all right, then this is William. So, hey, yeah. <laughs> You're ready to flex, I right? I when I was supposed to talk or not, so. <laughs> That's phenomenal. We, uh, when I had uh, Larry on, who's a friend of mine, you know, we, we were like both ready to take off our shirts too at one point in time just to right. get things rolling. Just but Get fired up. Let's do it. Exactly. Exactly, my man. So, you've been through stuff. Stuff, stuff, yes. exactly. But you spent 26 years, man, as a in the service as a Navy SEAL for this amazing country of ours. And thank you for serving. Thank I know, you. I know, it's for not sure. something my, to really. It was my pleasure, for sure. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. You've got a fantastic smile too. That's a, I love it. You're just, I have some, I have some lighting that helps enhance my features. Oh, <laughs> 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 I was just dinking around with the lighting in here too, a little bit. I'm like, I need to have like the side shot that has like a little bit darker, so I look a little bit more right. profound. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not quite that advanced, but I was, I was traveling uh, last. Two weeks ago, I did 10 days around the U.S. And uh, I knew that I was going to be interviewed on Newsmax at like five in the morning, California time. Oh, nice. And I live in the first time I was interviewed, it was like three o'clock in the morning or 2.30 yeah. in the morning. And I, and I noticed like both times I didn't have enough light. So I went out before that Newsmax uh, uh, interview uh, a couple weeks ago when I was in California and I bought this little handheld light that was like 70 bucks i'm like it's gonna be dark i don't want to look like i'm in a cave somewhere so yeah so i just like turn that thing on really quickly it's just to see if it works <laughs> yeah right on it well it works well amazing, apparently. Yeah. i know it shows off the white in the teeth i like it <laughs> <laughs> Dude, uh, you were a sniper instructor that's pretty impressive that yeah. was uh it was a good job i like that job yeah <laughs> it's hard work though it's, it's extremely hard work yeah yeah the, you see i mean the only thing the only thing i know about that is just things that I've read, self-education, you know, because I'm sure the movies don't even do it justice when it comes to yeah. that, you know, like, like wind speed direction, all that stuff, you know, and it's uh, the sniper instructor that is that because like, you're a SEAL, right? So yeah. in order to be a sniper within the SEAL, is that like a, another special? It's a whole another, it's a school that you go to. So you, so you go to BUDS, you graduate. And then when I went through, which was a few years ago. Uh, we had another, you showed up at your, first you went to army jump school. So you learned how to fall down for three weeks before they let you jump out of a plane. And, uh, 
And then uh, you go to the team and then they put you through four months of sort of advanced training. So Bud's is just a selection process. The first phase they, they put you through and they're just trying to grind you out to see who has the guts, the, the grit to stay. And then you learn how to dive and then you learn how to blow stuff up and do some basic land warfare tactics. But they're the most basic uh, tactics that you could possibly do. And then you go like to this other and throw. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, we did throw grenades, which was kind of cool. Uh, kind of anticlimactic. It's like you don't get to blow, watch it blow up because it could, you know, uh, you know, shrapnel <laughs> It's not not good. But um, um, and then you go to this other. It's called SEAL tactical training, and uh, and you learn more advanced tactics so that when you actually go back to the SEAL team, you you're not a complete idiot as far as tactics go when you get into a into a SEAL platoon. Oh, so interesting, man. And then when you become a sniper, that's just separate even after that. So you go through everything else was, first. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you know, there's, there are all these other specialty schools. So the SEAL teams are different from like the Green Berets or, or the Marine, uh, the Marine Recon or whatever their MARSOC or, or any of the other uh, special operations, because, you know, I, in, in the army, if you're a, a comms guy or you're a medic, you're only that. In the SEAL teams, you can be a medic, you can be a comms guy, you can be a sniper, you can be a breacher, you can be a JTAC, which is the guy that calls in bombs from air. You can be all of these things. And, you know, I was a sniper, but most of my career, I was living in leadership positions. So I didn't, like, carry a sniper rifle all the time uh, when I went to sniper school. So I went to sniper school pretty early. I got lucky. Um, but I'm going to tell you, that school was as hard as buds, just in a different way. I mean, you're up wow. at five in the morning working out, doing runs. We, you know, we culminate the, you know, sniper training, uh, on a, like, I think a 10 mile, 10 mile run. Uh, so we're running like seven, eight miles a day, four days a week. Um, you get up, you do, you know, calisthenics. And the idea is to be able to lower your heart rate, like be in very good physical fitness in order to lower your heart rate in order to take the shot. But honestly, in sniper, being in sniper school and teaching sniper school, the shooting piece, although it's very important and when you have to take a shot, you should not ever miss. But shooting is really one, only a, a small fraction of what you do and what you learn while in sniper school. It's conditioning, right? Mental and physical conditioning for the most part. And there's all yeah. these other skills, range estimation, uh, you know, camouflage, observation. So being able to see things out in the, out in the world that other people wouldn't see, remembering things, uh, you know, they'll throw 10 items on the table and then you look at them, you have 60 seconds to look at them. And then five minutes later, they'll say, okay, now write down those, those 10 items. You can't talk about it. You can't say anything. You just have to like figure out the skills to remember those things. Or, you know, as you get better, the, the challenges get harder. And so, you know, we would, they would like play a, a, um, a clip from a movie, like a 60 second clip and you, and they, and they tell you like, these are the things that you're looking for, or actually they won't even tell you that you just have to remember everything that happens, every detail that happens in that 60 second or two minute movie clip. And then you go to the range and you shoot all day and you do some other stuff and then come back that night and they're like, okay, tell me what kind of this, what, what was this? What color was the car? How many of them like ask like very specific questions to that movie clip. And, uh, and, and so you, you build up to that, but in the beginning, it's super hard to do. Like, I don't, I didn't have those skills before I went there. Yeah, for sure, man. I went back and I was able to teach those skills. So that was, that was very gratifying, but it was still a lot of work. That's awesome. Cause it, I'm relating this to, cause I'm in cybersecurity and I'm relating this to a lot of things that 
I teach my team because it, you look at a lot of the the techs in cybersecurity, and that's what they do. They think it's all you know firewalls and you know just diving into systems and all these other things. When you know I've had training from the CIA by in surveillance and elicitation. So when it comes to those, it's like I always look at okay, what's the motive of the attacker? Right now, because right. if we understand the motive and the psychology behind it, then we can actually start to formulate and get ahead of this, this ahead of this breach, so we know where they're going. You know, why were they in there to begin with? How long was the foothold there? You know, there was even one where there was a, you know, it was an insider threat and there was a fire on the floor of a law firm that's a client. And as my team is explaining all this, you know, because it was severe data loss, of course, from the fire, right? And I'm thinking, I'm like, they're, they're talking like, yeah, it was so weird because like the water cooler was six feet over. I'm like, time out. You have a photo of that. <laughs> and, and they showed it from the security camera. It's like, okay, where was the motivation? Because where was this thing? And it, sure, it was an arsonist that was, that did the whole thing. It it wasn't just a water cooler that actually started the fire is somebody that started the fire within the water cooler from a short. And that's what the photo right. showed. You know, it was just interesting because that that's all cybersecurity that nobody ever thinks about. Just like right. what you're saying with sniper school or, or so many layers and levels yeah. and like, yeah, it's not just like firewall attacker block. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, many layers to it. For sure. And, uh, you know, you were in this for 26 years and you, we'll, we'll move on to some of the CBD stuff and actually a lot of the CBD stuff in just a sec because you went through some tragedy too. I, I was reading about you and just some hard times, you know, with the alcohol prescription drugs and trying to suppress some things. Yeah, but, sure. you know, it's it's no doubt because I know that, that when you serve in this capacity, sometimes it can do some things to you, but you will also specialize in under sea ops. And it, am I reading this right? Missions that needed approval from POTUS in order to make this happen. Right. Yeah. So, uh, my, my very first seal team, we weren't, which was a seal delivery vehicle. So everybody wants to go to the, the seal teams where you're doing all the high speed, cool stuff. Uh, I ended up going to, you know, voluntold to go to the SDV team voluntold. and, and, uh, their orders, they're not invitations. So, uh, you know, I went there, I, I met some amazing mentors and friends who I still have today. And, but our mission was not to go as like a big giant seal platoon or task unit and like, you know, take down targets and things like that. The mission was more reconnaissance, which actually helped me get to sniper school much earlier yeah. in my career. Um, but we have this mini submarine. It's, it's full of water. You're on scuba or some sort of closed circuit or mixed gas rig. And you launch from a nuclear powered submarine. So there's submarines out there. They have a big garage on the back of it. You put the SDV, the seal delivery vehicle in the back of that submarine. And then, you know, the submarine goes underway, goes underwater somewhere and uh, somewhere in the world. And then when we get where we're going, you open up, you fill the garage up with water. You open up the hangar outer door. You pull the SDV out. Two guys get up front, a driver, a pilot, and a navigator, and four guys get in the back, and then we go someplace, and we do stuff, and then we come back. And the reason that those missions are uh, approved by the President of the United States is because of the political sensitivity. Like, these are, like, yeah. truly no-fail missions. Like, if you're compromised doing this stuff in these areas in the world, that's a bad day. Uh, press, it's not going to look good for you. So Yeah, for sure. No doubt. And I really appreciate you for doing that too, because there's a lot of things that have to happen that a lot of people just don't understand the, the need behind it, you know, cause it's, it's volatile territory, you know, and I'm not going to get on a political soapbox, but I just appreciate, right. 
I appreciate the things that happen undercover. <laughs> that's a, yeah. that's all I'll say, you know, cause I, I don't need to know exactly what they are, but I know that the, there's a necessity for that in the world, you know, especially a lot of people that don't like what the U S stands for. Yeah. So they're always trying to find the best way to bring us down. For sure. No doubt. But at the same time, I mean, even in the scenario, you know, whether you agree with a lot of this right now, I mean, just the humanitarian side of even donating, you know, we're donating what 80 million vaccines to the, to the world, to the cause to, right. to that too. That's, that's incredible. It's the same principle as when we send troops, you know, it's, it's the yeah. same motives I mean, and intentions. We send millions and millions of dollars all over the world every year. Yeah. Yeah. To, like, I, people, people just don't know like what it is. And I've, I've, I don't really know. I've seen kind of behind the curtain on some stuff and uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like the, the strategic value of some of the partnerships and, and alliances that we make are, it's, it's interesting. Like For they, sure they, it is. And again, most people have no idea what's going on or the purpose behind it. And, and I've, I've had the opportunity to kind of look behind the curtain a little bit. Right on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially if it's something involving somebody like Kim Jong-un or whatever, you know, that's right. for those things we we're trying to, it's not just even keeping America safe. Of course, it's in our self-interest to take action with something like that, but it's keeping that entire region safe and the, and the billions of people that exist in that region too. Yeah, you know, I, I, I appreciate the heart that, that you have and that a lot of people share in this country, my man. So you went through a lot of this stuff and then you came out because I was reading in your bio that you started your CBD company, right? Naked Warrior Recovery. But there was yeah. a mission behind that that was very personal, right? Yeah. So my, just to kind of like talk about my, my, my journey to CBD. So 26 years of service, I, I have some baggage. I don't call it PTSD. I don't call it anything like that. I just call it baggage. Some of it's from work that I've done. Some of it is from toxic relationships. And I think there, like, there are so many of us in the world. And the more I kind of talk about it and I talk more specifics, uh, people are like, yes, I have that same thing too. Yes, I have toxic relationships just like that. And, uh, but, you know, I had a lot of noise in my head. And so the way that I was dealing with that noise is I was drinking myself to sleep every night. I would use prescription drugs to kind of just mask the noise, just to turn it off enough or quiet it enough so that I could go to sleep. And then, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, a little bit of alcohol. I was drinking a lot of alcohol, like glasses of like glasses of alcohol a night yeah. just to like, okay, now, now I can go to sleep. I'm tired enough. My brain is not talking to me. So now I can go to sleep. Uh, and I'd heard about CBD before CBD was cool in 2018, uh, the passing of the farm bill, CBD became legal, hemp became legal, and then you see CBD popping up all over the place. So uh, I was still in the military with a top secret clearance. I couldn't go down that road at all. And so uh, when I retired, I was interested, but still afraid because I'm also a child of Nancy Reagan's war on drugs. Just say no. I've never had THC or anything like that. Oh, yeah. So, There's been a stigma around this for a long, long time, too. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So I was in Virginia. I linked up with one of my old teammates who was in my very first platoon. He's still a little bit of a mentor of mine today. And I told him, you know, hey, while I'm in town, I'm going to go see if I can find some CBD. And he was like, you want CBD? I've got some at home because he's a little bit of an Instagram influencer. And so people send him products all the time. So I took some CBD that night. Maybe I slept a little bit better. 
uh, that night and I was maybe a little less pissed off in the next morning. But over the 30 days, what I, what I like to say is water boils at 212 degrees. And I was living my life at 210 degrees. There was a lot of stuff going on that was keeping me like very red hot. And it didn't take much. My shoot, my fuse was very short. It didn't take long to hit that boiling point. But what I noticed after about 30 days of taking CBD was, you know, I went from like 210 to 205 to 200 and 190. Maybe I ended around 180. It's not super quantifiable, but because when you, when I took CBD, I didn't notice a whole lot. It wasn't like, rainbows and unicorns and like <laughs> i have this feeling of euphoria or anything like that cbd was just a like maybe i slept a little bit better i started monitoring my sleep but what i noticed when i ran out was i my fuse was longer it took me longer to hit that boiling point um and i'm i'm 100 disabled i've been i'm pretty beat up from from my time in the service and so so i have all kinds of aches and pains some of them are sharp some of them are dull and what I noticed was like so there's a lot of the sharp pains were just less sharp. They were, they didn't hurt as much, still, yeah. still pain, um, more manageable. And so, you know, I'm like, okay, that was awesome. Maybe I'm better. Maybe not. Maybe it was placebo. And then stuff started coming back. I tried another brand of CBD. Uh, I had got similar results and then I was at a business conference and I was very interested in the CBD industry and I wanted to work for a CBD company. And I met a girl who had a CBD company and she was like, why don't you just start your own company? And I was like, I don't know how to do that. She's like, you're a Navy SEAL for crying out loud. I'm like, okay, fine. Yes. I'll figure She's it like, out. Man up, dude. <laughs> yeah. I was going to throw some profanity in there, but yeah. Um, were you already a yeah, 210 like, at that point or were you? <laughs> yeah, I was like, Oh, like my ego deflated. deflated. So, yeah. <clears throat> and also sort of part of that whole, uh, um, business summit you know i started to learn about business because i didn't know anything about business and um i i learned like what's your why like what if yeah. you're going to start a company you need to have a, a mission a purpose and so as i looked at myself and i looked at like what i've gone through in trauma and relationships and what have you i found that my why is to heal other people that have the same issues as me not my specific issues but the same, uh, there's lots of people living in that 200, 210 degree, 211 degree, much closer to, to boiling, uh, or they wake up in the morning and they're there. Yeah. Um, and so as I kind of looked into, you know, my demographic veterans and things like that, I've found that, you know, 22 veterans take their own lives every single day. And actually the VA has done some new numbers and they think the number is closer to 26 now, 26 oh, yeah. a day as of uh, November of last year. You know, maybe COVID had something to do with that. We don't really know. But what my what our mission is at Naked Warrior Recovery is is to take that twenty two to zero. You know, to go out and and CBD was a modality. CBD is not like magic, you know, magic pill, magic oil, or anything like that. It's just a modality. I still had to do work on myself. Um, I started like get my mind straight. But CBD was just something that helped me be a little less pissed off. Uh, and I like I said, there wasn't like this magical thing that happens when you take it it's just like over time i was able to have better self-talk i was able to not pick up that bottle of booze to, to to help myself go to sleep i was able to start working out again i was able to start like focusing on me and like figuring out like why am i why do i have these thoughts in my head and so you know also from there i kind of i created a, a bit of a mindset and the mindset is really about getting naked because we you know, we go through life 
and we get attacked. You know, maybe it's a toxic relationship, maybe it's a romantic thing, maybe it's something at work, a family member or whatever. And we end up, you know, having to put on this armor because we feel like we're being attacked and pain is cumulative. So if you, if I tap you on the shoulder, you know, for five minutes, it's not going to be a big deal. But if I'm tapping you for an hour, it's going to start to bug you. And like, if I keep doing that for the next couple of days, you're going to have this giant bruise on your arm. Like your whole arm is going to be black and blue, but I was just barely tapping you on the arm. Not a big deal. Like a cyber attack. I'm just barely, I'm just trying to tapping in, trying to get in. And, and so when, and so that takes us all the way up to those, to that boiling point. It's like not a big deal in the beginning. And if you look at just the one event and it could be an email, a text, the way someone looked at you, you saw something on social media, you saw something on the news and like, you're like, boom, I'm like, I'm out of control. So we, we, so we're in the, we, we're wearing this armor around. We're wearing like other crap that other people put on us. And what I found is I I had to take my ego off. I had to take all that crap, all that baggage that other people put on me. I had to take it off and put it in the corner. Uh, I found that you know in the, in the SEAL teams we put our armor on to go into harm's way. We do a mission. We come back. We take our armor off. We hit the showers. We rest. We recover. We get ready for the next mission. In life, we don't do that. We keep that armor on. We keep being defensive. And so we, we start to fester underneath that, that ego. And so what we have to do is we have to take that armor off. We have to get naked. We have to become vulnerable. We have to expose ourselves in order to, to find that healing and that recovery. And so uh, I've also kind of, you know, I talked about my mentality and my, my poor self-talk and good self-talk. I also turned naked into kind of an acronym, something easy to remember. The N is to never quit. The A is accept failure because the failure is inevitable. Uh, the K is to kill mediocrity. The E is expose your fears, and the D is do the work because it all—it's all work. And this is sort of this the seal mindset that I've also kind of created. Get naked because you are a naked warrior. Yeah, that's an man. That was an incredible segment right there. And I love how you're talking about the armor too, and you related it back to your service, right? Being a seal is a. But it, there's an interesting dichotomy, right? And, and you talked about this because when you're a seal, you put your armor on, you go to the mission. Then you come back, you take your armor off, you shower, you, you clean up. And I'm almost liking this to, you know, because there's things about our jobs, right? There's things about what we do day by day. There's things about our relationships, you know, and it's a choice to put that armor on in the first place. I would feel anyways, but almost we feel like in the moment, we probably have no choice because of what's coming at us. Would you agree with that? Right. Yeah. So you go to work and, or you go meet someone and you, you're, you're going to battle, you're going to war. And you know, it could be the secretary or the, the, the real estate agent. They're fighting for, you know, different things, fighting for attention of customers, fighting for, you know, fighting with disgruntled people. And so they're like, oh, don the armor. Let's go. We're going to battle. We're going to war. Stay at home mom. Still the same thing, you know, with like kids and yeah. learning and school and, and, and schedules and personal time. And, you know, we all, we, we all, every single one of us goes into battle every single day. And we generally, we don't recognize it. And we end up like, we may get up in the morning. We, we already have our armor on and we, you know, go out there and we engage in combat and then we come back and we're still like stuck. And that's what happens to a lot of veterans is we're still stuck in, in, in this like combat mode. And, you know, we come back from a deployment and we don't have like the support system and, and we don't know how to turn it off. And, but it also happens to everyday people, right? You don't, you don't have to be a veteran, uh, first responders. Oh my God, those guys, 
they're they're under attack twenty four seven, and and so um, that's we have to learn how to take our ego off, take that turn off that like let's go to war mode. Like when you get home and you're like in a safe place, take your armor off. And I was actually talking to uh, uh, a friend of mine, Bedros Koulian, and. You know, he said that his like we were I was having kind of a similar conversation and he said, you know, his therapist told him, like, you know, before you come in the house, like the how you walk from your truck and get to your house. I want you to think about, like, taking that suit of armor off, take that helmet off and like just mentally like go through the process of like take your helmet off and set it down. Take your gauntlet gloves and like each one and set them down. Like as you're walking to the door, take your chest plate off set like and like take off the suit of armor that you were wearing all day as you're trying to grow your business and and blow your brand up and uh and so the first couple of times he came home he like went through that mode and then he was like friendly when he came in the door he's like his his family they were like whoa when's the next shoe gonna drop i'm not sure i'm cool with what's going on right now even though you're a better person uh i'm not sure i, I like it and so he you know he he goes through that routine uh every day and when you do new things, they're hard in the beginning, but the more you do it, the more practice you have in doing it, the easier those things get. And so for all of us, you know, you, you just have to think about get naked every day. So I think about like, take my armor off and like, now I can relax when I'm not, when I'm wearing armor, I'm, it's go mode. It's time we're, we're going into battle, but when it's time to rest and recover, you take the armor off, like physically, mentally, however you do it. Maybe you just take all your clothes off and walk around your house, whatever you want to do. Um, and, and get naked, expose yourself, be vulnerable because like I would, I never believed in being vulnerable. I never believed in looking weak or feeling weak because someone may uh, make fun of me and that would hurt my ego. And as I saw people that I had great respect for become vulnerable in front of me. I was like, that actually looks kind of cool. And you're much braver than I am. And so I wasn't brave enough to be vulnerable ever in my life. And it mm -hmm. took me, you know, going through like mental tragedy to, to, to find the bravery to become vulnerable. It's amazing how much courage it takes to, to, to be vulnerable sometimes and get naked and yeah. For sure. You're even saying too, which is, I think key. you were, you know, when you get out of that scenario to where you feel like you can take your armor off, you know, go to a safe place. And I'm thinking, what, what if someone doesn't have a safe place to go to, to even take that sometimes off? It's, sometimes it's just in your car, you know, when you change your environment and it, you know, right now I'm not allowed to leave my house. Um, so I, but I do <laughs> like the air quotes, <laughs> uh, according to the state of Hawaii. Um, but, uh, you know, I like getting in my truck and just driving. I mean, I live on a rock in the middle of the Pacific ocean, so I can't drive far or distance wise, but I can just get in and I can drive. I can put a podcast on, I can put music on, I can put something on to change my mindset, the state where I am. And I can be completely vulnerable in there. And sometimes I'll just like do I, I don't know. It's like a video diary, video blog. I don't post it anywhere, but I like put my, like stuff just comes pouring out of my head that I don't talk about in front of other people or I yeah. can practice, you know, if I want to like memorize like, uh, Teddy Roosevelt's man in the arena, I, that's a perfect time to like, no one's going to make fun of you or look at you funny or think weird thoughts. Uh, when you're talking to yourself, 
uh, and trying to, to recite these things while you're driving. So it, I, I believe the car alone is a great place to be kind of vulnerable. Yeah. Any so, place that I, yeah, just wherever that place is. And it, it I f- it would probably take some effort for some too to even find where that safe place is. Sure. You know, and that's uh, but that's the work. And I love how you're saying that CBD is not like the magic pill. Right? It's absolutely not. It's it's a modality to help you get there. I still use it today. I need less now, but in some days I need a lot more. So, but I still take it every day just because it, there's the reason that CBD seems like it's a panacea and why it works so well for so many people uh, is because number one, it's been a medicine for thousands of years uh, through the hemp plant, but how it works with the body is all mammals have what's called an endocannabinoid system. And this is new science. And I've talked to a bunch of doctors uh, in the, in the last year and they're like, they didn't teach us about this in med school, yeah, but as sure. they're doing like these, this continuing ad, they're learning more about it. And, and so this, the endocannabinoid system is a giant neuroreceptor that's connected to every other system in your body. Think your respiratory system, your central nervous system, your immune system, your digestive system is connected to everything. And what happened, your body also creates natural endogenous cannabinoids. So you create anandamide, which is the bliss molecule, which is actually very similar to, to THC. And it's associated with the runner's high and the upregulation of serotonin. So you feel good. Dude, and then I love the runner's high. I don't run, but when I lift, right. I get it, man. It's, you get, yeah, you're it's like, like 35 I, minutes in. Yep. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, but, but there's like this point where you, you have to like suck it up a little bit at like old man warm up period, right? Like, really, <laughs> yeah, the rap. I know that. Right? Oh it's my like, God. I need to get between the window of 25 to 35 minutes and I'm good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, in, in seal training, I figured, I don't know how I figured this out, but I was like, so we would do these four mile timed runs and you have, you have to do it in, it's an eight minute mile in the beginning and then it gets progressively shorter. And I'm like, dude, I hate running and you run a lot in, in seal training. And I thought I liked running until I actually had to do it for my job. And I was like, this sucks. Yeah, but, sure. uh, <laughs> I don't have to do it for my job, but I still it. think it sucks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so what I found out when I was doing these four mile timed runs is what I would do is I would about halfway through, I would feel more like running. And like, that's about 15 yeah. minutes in. So what I started to do is I just started like, I would, you know, kind of stretch out and I was younger. So I didn't have as, as many, uh, um, issues or maybe because I didn't stretch well enough. I have the issues that I have now, but I would just like, they would say go. And I would just sprint for about 400 yards. I'm like, Oh my God, I have to slow down. My heart's going <laughs> to blow through my chest. And I would kind of get through that suck factor just a little bit sooner so that I could like actually be in a comfortable stride and, and, and still run at a, at a pretty, pretty reasonable pace. So I forgot where I was going with that. There was You're a point to talking it. About the bl- yeah. The bliss. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, 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 so we all have this endocannabinoid system It's connected to every other system in our body. And the, but sometimes we don't make enough of these, of these endogenous cannabinoids because these endogenous cannabinoids, they're what feed the endocannabinoid system. They're what keep it in homeostasis. So if you have one system that's out of balance, it'll pull all the other systems out of balance through, through the endocannabinoid system. And so CBD is sort of like this super multivitamin for the endocannabinoid system. So just think about a door with like 10,000 locks on it. And you're, if you don't open it and close it every day, unlock every lock, then they start to rust shut. If you don't have enough keys to unlock that lock, that door every single day, then it's not going to work properly. 
So CBD goes in and it fills in those. It's it's shaped like the, the keyhole. It goes in there, it unlocks the locks, helps open the door, close the door, and keep it working every day. And so that's why CBD seems like it's sort of this panacea because it brings the body back into homeostasis. But it's not curing anything. It's helping the body bring it back to where it needs to be in order for the body to heal itself. Why wouldn't we produce the amount of cannabinoids that we need for our system? What would cause Chronic, that? So stress, environments, toxins, all sorts of stuff that's, that, is surround, that surrounds us uh, affects the endocannabinoid system. Hmm. So sometimes it gets more more out of whack than other times. Maybe you have like, you know, uh, Lyme disease or something. Maybe you have from a tick bite or whatever. There's, you know, yeah, germs, there's germs everywhere. There's pollution everywhere. Uh, all that stuff affects our, our endocannabinoid system. And so it'll, it'll get out of balance. It'll get out of whack. And so CBD is just one of those things that just helps, uh, support it. I mean, we don't make enough vitamin D unless we get out in the sun. We don't make enough we don't make, you know, vitamin C uh, endogenously. That's something that we have to consume. So there's all sorts of things that the body needs that we don't make enough of or any of every day or unless we're in the right environments. So it's it's critical that, you know, we, we supplement with the things that our body needs. For sure. I'm sure downing too much alcohol or, you know, being in a bad relationship sure with the stress. All that stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This has such an effect on, on the body. I saw yeah. a, a study yesterday that that showed that you could actually reverse early graying of your hair by reducing the stress in your life wow because it affects your mitochondria the mitochondria affect the that that graying action yeah, in, yeah. The, in the in the follicle and so if you're able to reduce enough stress in your life you're able to reverse some of the graying if you catch it early enough or you start you know, reducing that stress early enough in your life. Talk to me. What's early enough? Because I got some going. <laughs> <laughs> me, me too. Yeah. Oh, I mean, for real. What's the aid? No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> no, that, it's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an early study, so I always seem to to, to read that so. we, we need to test this william you know that's something we need to figure out here <laughs> i agree i agree <laughs> dude i am um, there's so much of what you're saying that's resonating because i mean it's i see a lot of people i mean i'm in an entrepreneur world right and there's so much to where there's this embrace the suck kind of mentality that exists right and there, there's almost a lot of entrepreneurs feel like there's no safe place but then a lot of people that have the nine to five jobs also feel like there's no safe place because the work then they'll go home to a bad relationship after they punch out and they're just always in this defensive mode and they just keep their right. armor on you know and it sounds like the you know cbd can be something to where it helps reduce not eliminates, but reduces to the point. It's like, uh, you call it a modality, but gets it to where you actually feel okay with working on yourself. Because dude, right. if you were sitting at, because your your emotions that were manifesting, right, were anger and rage, I'm assuming. If it was sure. 200, if you were 210 and the boiling point's 212, if you were sitting at that 210 mark the whole time. You know, but reducing that to the point to where you feel okay now i actually feel like i can do something about this because right. nobody wants to dude if you're sitting in that environment to where that's all you can focus on is just the the crap coming at you day in and day 100%. out and you're sitting there so reducing and i'll out. still have those same, some of those same triggers and i'll you know I, I i always have cbd around i mean i have a cbd company so and when i'm like i feel it coming i'll just go get some and and you know yeah, the yeah. oil tincture i'll put it under my tongue 
and and I'll start to come back down. I'm still pissed off. Like it's still something that pisses me off. But I'm just like that emotional like drive. Yeah. Just like it, it's more under control. And again, but like like I said, CBD is a modality. It's it's not a cure. You still have to have positive cell talk, and you still have to like have that get naked mindset. And you know, kind of some of the stuff that you were talking about there. You know, we we you know in entrepreneurial world, in business world, in the like just everyday world. You know, we're faced with these tasks yeah. that seem insurmountable. Like people are like, "How was how did you make it through SEAL training?" Like one one step at a time, one bite at a time. You know, how do you you know how do you eat an elephant? It's, this it's the same thing. You just you just break up that those tasks into manageable pieces. So in SEAL training, in like so Hell Week is this most famous week of of SEAL training, and it's really only like week number four of of six months and it actually took me 13 months to cl- complete that six month block of training because i i got injured a couple times oh wow but but you know if you just like i remember like laying there in the ocean um one night the they had us facing generally you face the ocean you hold lock arms and you lay back in the soul class and you're getting smashed around and you're shivering in the ocean and because the people are like, oh, Southern California, super warm, sunny. <laughs> that, that water's cold, dude. It is frigid. It will like numb your extremities quickly. Uh, but there's a couple weeks, a couple months out of the year where it's not not so cold. Uh, but most of the, like almost the entire time I was there, it was frigid. But um, but this, there was this one night where they had us facing the land, and they had us lay, lay our head back on the sand, and the waves would come up, and they like went in your face. And it picks up all this silty sand and it like went up my nose. And now I'm like, oh. I'm laying there like dry heaving, gagging on like silty sand, you know? And I'm like, oh, this is terrible. But, but I know like it's not going to last forever. In like an hour, I'm going to be in a hot shower. And I'm, and then 30 minutes after that, I'm going to be in bed getting ready for the next day. So it was totally attainable. Like I couldn't stay there for like three days with that happening because that's just not not possible, but the training is broken up into manageable pieces. It's just whether you want to be there or not. And we do the same thing. If we, if we want to never quit something, you just break that project, that task, that event, that whatever up into manageable pieces, make it hard, make it challenging for the days that you're willing to put in that extra work, or maybe you do two of those pieces instead of only one. But then, um, but then there are going to be days where you just, just don't feel like doing it. You just do it anyway. It's not a big deal because yeah. it's manageable. And then, you know, I don't like to do things. Sometimes I get stuck and I have to like, just do one thing and then just do one more thing. And at, once I get to the, like the third thing, I'm like, let's go. I need more stuff to do. I need to like, I got, I need more things to attack. But I think a lot of us, we, we just kind of get mediocre with, uh, with, with, life and social media and scrolling and netflix and youtube and we don't really want to like we're like i'm busy watching youtube videos i can't do that project well yeah you can you just have to like turn youtube off and so you sometimes you have to start with smaller chunks in order to like actually attack the project um and then kill that mediocrity in your life Dude, that's amazing advice. And uh, I'm sure bringing that boiling point down too can help with that too to the point to where you actually want to or even can you know, where, right. where you're focusing on that. I appreciate what you're doing so much, man, because it's, it, I feel it inside. I mean, even just thinking about the 22 a day, which is now more like 26 a day. Yeah. And I'm sure it means even, oh, I know it means even more to you because you've been there. I mean, these are your brothers and sisters. You My know, father and, is one of those veterans. Oh man. 
man. And I had this mission, like he passed a lot, you know, he, at, right after I graduated Buds, he took his own life. And I didn't really even think about it that way until I was already down this road and I was like 22 a day. And then I was like, wait a minute, my dad is one of those 22. Wow. So then it, it means even more. For sure. You're at Naked Warrior Recovery, right? On Instagram. Yes, sir. Everyone needs to follow you. And the website is nw-recovery.com. And William yeah, is available. So I, Go ahead, bud. It was, yeah, sorry. It was, uh, I made it nw-recovery because I didn't know if anyone, everyone, anyone wanted to write naked into their search engine. You can still write <laughs> naked warrior recovery and get to my website. Dude, that's but a good forethought right there. Like yeah. Mess up the, like I made it naked warrior recovery and I was like, wait a minute, maybe people don't want to put naked in their thing. So let's do that's, that. That's like, and, you know, uh, I love naked juice, but if you go search for that, some not so good things come up, right? Like, right. Exactly. So, yes. so I made, I made that option as well. So the website is nw-recovery, but sometimes is it this way? Is it this way? Is it horizontal sideways? Yeah, um, so you can write in Naked Warrior Recovery and, and, and still get there. That's awesome. Brother, thank you for being on. Again, thank you for serving. And yes, we're sir. just going to blow this up for you because I appreciate what you're doing so much. Thank you for helping everybody that you come into contact with. Yes, sir. I appreciate it.